0: the Youthscape podcast, a podcast for Christians who work with young people. Welcome to another edition of the Youthscape podcast. I'm Martin Saunders and with me, as always, Rachel Gardner. Hello, Rachel.
1: Hello. How are you
0: today? I'm
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing fine. Thank you. How are you?
0: Thanks for asking. Important question. <laughs> I am. I'm doing well. Yes. No, I love this. I love this new podcast. I have to say, I just feel like we've got to the point in the um, in the season when we can reflect, we can bask just a little bit on the glory of these new facilities that we have so if you gentle listener were with us in the old the sort of analog era of the uh, of the youthscape podcast we're
1: only talking like 18 months ago bc we really? <laughs> 18
0: months ago more like <laughs> yes. four months ago okay so uh so so we started off and we were we were recording uh in in on the top floor of our offices here in luton youthscapes uh youthscape has a, a building butte mills five-story kind of ex-steam flour mill and at the very top, next to the old water tower, there's a little room that used to shove us into.
1: Very cold like a, room. Like a cupboard. And we could hear all the planes taken off from Luton Airport, and we, we could, could hear all the trains coming in. Yes. So it was terrible place to record a podcast And in. we were
0: recording it with... How do we it there? We... One one lunchtime, I think we managed to convince the finance director to give us fifty quid to buy a no, a, a we microphone. Went and bought the
1: mic, and then we, we gave yeah, the receipt that's on it. air.
0: <laughs> that's it. So we went to Maplin, yeah. which I don't think even exists anymore, oh, and we bought Maplin. the um, we bought the microphone, which should, by the way I dropped the other day and broke.
1: Fantastic.
0: Um, and uh, and so we had that, and that that saw us through until lockdown. Yes. When we were recording on our from our bedrooms. Yes. Um, on Zoom.
1: On Zoom. My, uh, my laptop has got a broken screen and I could yeah. never find the headphones. So it has been shoddy, people. It's it been village and shoddy. But
0: now I feel like we've moved into the 20th, at least the 20th century. It's
1: fantastic. If not it's the 21st. And
0: so So just, just draw us a picture. Just yes. draw us a, a, a mental, a, a mental picture. picture of where we are right now.
1: Oh, you want me to do that? Yes, I'd like you to do that. Well, there are three glasses of water. There is a a box with lots of lights. There are three of us sat socially distanced. I should not have given you this job. Um, We are absolutely not licking each other's faces because obviously we are COVID compliant. We are mitigating the pants off mitigations. And we are bringing this podcast to you. And today we have, I mean, we have a very, very high calibre guest. Yeah, we did. So we had plans to literally
0: just say,
1: Yeah, we did. let's
0: not do a silly intro. Yeah, we absolutely did. Because he might forward it to his friends
1: oh, in absolutely, important yes, places did. i also know this man and he's lovely and wonderful and he's one of us people he's from the youth ministry tribe gosh like, so, i
0: imagine like an mp might be listening to I this
1: they might well be
0: so if you're an mp listening to this uh, because you've been forwarded this link by our honorable guest um then um and I'm sorry we're I mean clearly idiots both of us yes
1: and we will get through our waffle very soon yes when we get on. but we do this we do first. this is a very important topic for today which is about reaching young people you and I Martin we are youth workers we love being actually with young people and like everyone listening through lockdown it's been so hard that we've not been able to do the kind of youth work we normally do but it is interesting as we sort of emerge into this new season what it looks like for us to now Mm. be engaging with young people both online offline face-to-face and recognizing the whole kind of complex needs that young people have um, and what they've been through during Mm. lockdown so we wanted to really explore that because you and I have talked about it a lot during lockdown we made some kind of doom and gloom predictions but it's interesting to see what's what's happening now Mm. is not what we quite predicted no
0: And so lots of brilliant people are finding really innovative, creative, loving ways to reach young people Mm. in. And I think, We've purposefully set this episode up in such a way that we're going to look at very distinct yes. meanings and interpretations of that phrase reaching young people, uh, and so we have got a couple of fantastic guests who are going to take that from slightly different angles. And so our first guest mm. uh, is—we're very, uh, uh, is, is, very excited because he—he yeah. uh, he is Mark Russell, yes. the chief executive of the Children's Society, uh, an organisation that have been. Deeply invested in reaching and serving young people uh, over an enormously long period. Uh, Of course, set up, founded as a Christian uh, charity back in. 18 something uh, and now led by the wonderful Mark Russell who was of course a youth worker
1: he's one of us he's from the tribe isn't he and so I just love that because you just know that if you were to like brush past him ask him like what is it that you're really passionate about Um, what would come out of him would be this deep commitment to seeing young people flourish and I just love it that he's carried that beacon through different really significant roles that he's had so we caught up with Mark and asked him to talk to us a little bit about what he and his team have been seeing So, Mark, little did you know when you became CEO of the Children's Society that in 2020 children and young people will be facing such a devastating time. So the question on all of our hearts is, had you known this, would you still said yes to the job?
2: Yes, in a heartbeat for lots of reasons. Um, One, because um, I love this organization. This isn't just a job to me. I've been a children's society donor and supporter for 15 years. I've waited patiently for my predecessor to find a new job, but I'm really glad he did. Um, So this is a job I really wanted. When I got to my interview, the chair of the board said, have you waited your whole life for this job? I went, yes, I have. So that's the first reason. The second reason is because we are in the middle of the most shocking, unprecedented, unparalleled time that any of us have ever known and the country's ever seen in a generation. Um, And and, and that pandemic is impacting the most vulnerable and the most poor in our society, the greatest. And out of all of those people, it's impacting the most vulnerable children and young people, the greatest. Mm. And so for that's another reason why i want to be in this job because this organization has an incredible um heart for those young people and has a footprint across the country that can make a difference in their lives and the third reason is because um at the very heart of my character uh, and my personality is a profound love of young people and a desire for them to be the best they can be so for all of those reasons yes it's a it's a nightmare it's really hard um i've you know, there's no textbook you can buy, no course you can go on to prepare to lead you. To lead in these circumstances, you simply have to lean into your values and, and lead with integrity and courage and transparency. So absolutely would I take in the job. Uh, it's not quite been the first year I imagined in this role, but I am unbelievably privileged to have this job. And I work with an extraordinary team of people who make a difference in the lives of some of the most vulnerable young people in the land.
1: Incredible. Mark, when did the severity of COVID-19 for young people and children, when, when did that sort of really hit you as a team? I mean, we've all sort of, we're now going into our second lockdown, but cast your mind back to the beginning. When, when do you think for you guys, it really hit home just how devastating this could be?
2: Day one. Day one of the first day of the Prime Minister telling us to work at home. And we knew most likely a lockdown was on the way. Um, we knew that we had to, and it was an extraordinary effort, we had to pivot our entire operation um, that, that, that practically serves young people. We had to pivot that into a digital and virtual space in the space of seven days. So we we pivoted 74 services for young people uh, into the digital world. We moved hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of IT kit around the country to enable our staff to have the toolkit that they needed uh, and also to put digital kit in the hands of some very marginalized young people who didn't have access to it themselves. Because we knew if we didn't, then we would not have a line of sight to these children because schools were closing. So that, the, And then secondly, then schools closed, which of course uh, meant that all of us know that schools are probably one of the biggest sources of referrals um, for safeguarding issues, mental health issues in children's lives. And with schools closed, the country collectively lost a line of sight. To the most vulnerable children in the country. And only about 15% of the most vulnerable children were in school at any point. So we knew there was a colossal amount of need going on um, in the world around us that we just couldn't see. Um, And so I had the privilege of sitting weekly on a call of senior civil servants from across government Um, to to bring the wisdom of our team directly into the heart of the government response to COVID-19. So we knew that the urgency of this right at the very start, and and as the weeks and months have gone on, we have now seen more and more um, the impact on children's uh, mental health, the impact on children's sense of well-being, physical health. Uh, And so we published a report uh, the second week of July called Life on Hold, which showed that children's well-being Um, had substantially decreased during this crisis. So we'd reported previously in our Good Childhood Report that one in uh, eight children reported as being profoundly unhappy in this country, and that had moved to one in five during COVID. So a substantial shift in the number of children um, struggling. And of course, we've seen the impact of of poverty and and the impact of food poverty, and we're uh, working with the government to try and challenge them on their response to child poverty. Uh, and the issue around school meals as well.
1: Now, I've I've read your name sort of popping up on news feeds and broadsheets quite a lot recently and because I know you. I get so excited every time I see your name. But I'm I'm fascinated to see how sometimes what you report, Mark, which is simply the facts is kind of met not with wholesale oh my goodness this is terrible but sometimes with a little bit of a oh well he would say that wouldn't he and oh my goodness aren't they just do as and what and what is going on and it's not that bad I mean have you what have you experienced from your vantage point of how the nation has responded to the, 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 the decreasing kind of stats around young people's well-being in this country?
2: Well let me come to that in one second the uh, the the report we published in at the end of August, the Good Childhood Report, the ninth one, uh, reported that children's well-being had gotten worse again in this country and also reported that we had the lowest child well-being in all of Europe, which I think is a disgrace and a scandal. In the sixth richest country in the world, children's lives should be getting better, not progressively worse. So so that was the context with which I was saying some of these things uh, on the radio and on television and in, in the press. And I, yes, I did get um, some fairly interesting comments back, and some commentators... Are, one particular commentator in the Sunday Times took me to task completely. In fact, he, he even called me Marky, which I had not been called since I was a small child. Yes. Uh, so um, and I, I, that's fine. You know, the, 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 the commentators can say that. But actually, what we've seen over the last three weeks, as Marcus Rashford has presented the facts to the nation, is we've seen the nation respond. And if you ever feel down about the world, you just spend 20 minutes on Marcus Rashford's Twitter feed and you see business after business, and, and and individual after individual, a local authority after local authority, stepping up and saying we're not prepared to accept children going hungry in this country, and we're going to do something about it. And so, so yes, I did get a bit of you know flack from certain quarters when I said what I said. Um, but actually, I think the public's response to Marcus Rashford has shown that the public are ahead of that, and they don't think it is acceptable that children should starve. You know, and so my own organisation was founded 140 years ago next year, and. Um, In the heart of Victorian uh, Britain, we were set up because children were going hungry on the street. And it is rather ironic as we approach our 140th year that that's exactly where we are again. So I make no apology for the Children's Society using its voice to challenge government, to challenge society, that it is not acceptable, that children's well-being is getting worse and that children are getting poorer.
1: We cheer you on as well, Mark, and all your colleagues. Now, you made an interesting comment earlier, you talked about Um, losing a line of sight with young people and you talked about tech poverty and food poverty and housing poverty. Um, The wonderful thing about chatting with you is that not only are you CEO of the Children's Society but you've been involved with Church Army and on many of the boards that um, I've sometimes sat on as well talking about church's engagement with young people particularly about youth work. What would be your hunch really about whether the church have we lost a line of sight during this time with some of the most vulnerable people. What what, what do you feel in, in, in terms of that, the church? What are we at risk of losing?
2: It's a really important question. Um, I think the church has responded to COVID-19 in, in some really creative ways. Uh, I think, you know, there's so many churches have discovered YouTube and, and streaming. Um, and, I've, and, and I've got a friend of mine who's a, a vicar of a, a small rural parish in Northern Ireland, who who would normally have had 200 people on Sunday morning, which is pretty big by English standards, but reasonable for Northern Ireland. Um, <laughs> he's getting like two or three thousand hits on his YouTube uh, service every week. He's having people joining um, online services from New Zealand uh, and Australia and Canada. So so I think the church has responded really creatively, I think, as well, you know, through... Um, um, Food banks and other responses, the church has responded really uh, powerfully um, and actually I know there are many youth workers around the country um, who've, who've looked at this crisis and thought well I'm going to redouble my efforts, I'm going to work harder, I'm going to find new ways to connect with young people um, and schools have been, when, particularly when schools were closed and, and I really want to say you know to every youth worker who's listening to this who's, who's taking creative ways to reach young people virtually and digitally, So thank you, thank you so much because actually one of the major elements of the Children's Society's research, is that children thrive when they have trusted relationships with trusted adults. Uh, and, and I know as a youth worker, um, now in my 40s, that a lot of the young people I work with are now in their 30s. And I know even now, they'll tell me the impact that you know those years in their life had. So, um, youth work is the most important thing and you can dress me up and call me a chief executive and you can put me in front of <laughs> parliamentarians and members of parliament and members of the government but actually in my heart i'm a relational youth worker and i'm still a relational youth worker and one of my best bits of my job is we have you know um five young trustees on our board who who grill me all the time and who ask me lots of hard questions and, and i get to be a youth worker with a bunch of young people in this job as well so um i, I want to say thank you to every youth worker who's mm. taken those steps and is going out of their way and using social media to find ways to connect with young people and make sure they know they're there. It's incredibly important. And of course, you know, like all youth work, you, you probably won't see the results of that close up, but mm. you're dropping seeds of, of of commitment and seeds of love and seeds of, of, of um, investment into those young people's lives that will bear fruit, no question. Um, and one of the things that drives me in my job is that whether our services are helping young people with mental health issues or helping them with um, issues around self-esteem or whether we're working with, trying to disrupt county lines gangs or whatever it is we're doing. I've always held the view that like a ship, if you move a ship's um, uh, compass one degree in like two or three hours time, that ship would be miles from where it would be. The investment in young people's lives now and the love we pour into people's lives will create different adults down the line. And I've always believed it's always easier and better to build stronger children and fix broken adults.
1: Incredible. I love that idea about the one degree change. So, so here's a question that I've not prepared you for, but you are at heart a youth worker and we hear yeah. that and we see that. If there was a youth worker listening to this thinking, I really want to be connecting with some of these at risk, off radar young people. I, you know, I've, I I love working with the young people we have, but I know there are many hidden needs in our community. What could be a one degree shift that maybe a church based volunteer youth worker they could do to just, think differently about who they could be reaching? Where where could they start with that?
2: That's a really, really um, important question. I I would reach out to the local statutory services, I'd reach out to the council, I'd reach out to medical practices, I'd reach out to the police, I'd reach out to uh, the local food bank, I'd reach out to all kinds of other organisations like that, who are seeing these families at risk and saying, here I am, I'm a youth worker, I absolutely want to help. How can I help? Um, and allow them to to help you find those young people uh, in a safe and in an in in appropriate way. Um, so that would be my advice. And actually, you know, there is no shortage of need out there, I can promise you. And I am sure that if any youth worker presented themselves to those groups and said, can we help? They'd be well up for that. You've
1: talked about the nation really being a few steps ahead of parliamentarians in responding to Marcus Rashford's comment. Just as a last question to you, Mark, when you look at the church, particularly when you look at youth ministry, what gives you what are the signs of hope? What gives you hope in this time for vulnerable families and children when you when you look at the church?
2: Rachel, despite the fact that we're living in the most extraordinary times, I am full of hope, absolutely full of hope. And the children's Society is just rebranded with hope as our theme because uh, I believe in young people. I believe that even even you know even when I go visit some of our projects back in the day when I could, um with some of the most disadvantaged young people who've been through the most horrendous, horrendous experiences, they're optimistic. They're hope-filled. They dare to believe that tomorrow can be better than yesterday. Um, so i'm my source of hope primarily is within young people is that they're incredibly resilient. Now, I happen to think we shouldn't depend on that resilience. We should have a better safety net in this country, and we should have better um systems around young people that enable them to thrive, not just survive. But the inherent resilience in young people's lives is what gives me incredible hope. And what also gives me incredible hope is that society is full of good people. Uh, it's, sometimes it's very easy to say, "Oh, no, it's not, but you know, society is full of good people. Uh, we've seen that in my own organization. We've seen, incredible generosity. People who would have given us maybe a hundred pounds a year were giving us a thousand pounds a year because they knew we were up against the wall with this crisis. And, and our, you know, we closed all our shops and we were down millions of pounds of income. The people are inherently good and people are inherently uh, wanting to do good. And that fills me with hope. And the third thing that fills me with hope is I know God doesn't have favourites, but if he did, if he did, i'm pretty certain the most vulnerable most marginalized most desperately in need children in this country would be forefront in his heart and in his mind and i'm previously an organization that started in a sunday school class in Vauxhall 140 years ago it started there with a man called edward rudolph who looked out onto the street and saw two kids sitting on the pavement begging and he was so filled with compassion for those young people and filled with anger at the system that caused it that he gave birth to this organisation. And 140 years later, we've still got that same compassion and that same anger. So I'm filled with hope because society is making a difference. We've got a lot more to do, um, but I'm committed that I will do my best to use my voice and my energy uh, to fight for a better, fairer, and more just society.
0: Absolutely amazing to hear from Mark, wonderful guy, yes, doing some brilliant, work. and his organisation doing some brilliant work. Yes. Um, if you are joining us for the first time on the Youthscape podcast because you found us through uh, the fact that we've talked to Mark Russell today, mm. we thought we might tell you about something else you might think was interesting in the Youthscape Overa,
1: <laughs> as well as the history lesson that you gave us earlier yes. about the mill. That was exciting. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I could go into much more depth. <laughs> about that um but no the um do you know this episode's about reaching young people yes do you know what um word is almost an anagram of reach
1: oh gosh research start, oh gosh i mean you got there but it was clunky so, research, was. so we have a research team here at Escape yeah. don't we so tell us a little bit about them. how can people connect with them yeah
0: so uh, the Escape center for research is our way of making sure we know what we're talking about and, uh, and knowing that the things that we are doing are the right things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Youthscape's all about innovation, all about finding new ways of reaching and serving young people, helping churches to do that, really. But we can't do that just by sort of putting a finger in the air and saying, oh, this is what we think is going on. We actually have a research team that finds out. And so they are led by the amazing Dr. Lucy Shuka, who's been on this podcast countless times. Uh, and she's probably the person who's been on it the most after oh, you and me, I gosh, think. Oh, gosh,
1: yes. That's it. Then. Always no brilliant. More. <laughs> so
0: so uh, she um, heads up this team, which produce uh, reports on a fairly regular basis. We have some major um, research reports like uh, Losing Heart, which was very influential about the church's sort of, a slow loss of confidence in its work mm-hmm. with young people and uh, no questions asked, which was about the sort of uh, questions that young people have or don't around faith. And We Do God recently brilliant report on, um, on how experience-based approaches to evangelism discipleship um, could be interesting for the church going mm-hmm. forward. But also they produce this amazing research quarterly called The Story, uh, which is, if you've never seen a copy of The Story, you can check it out online for free. Um, all of this stuff, actually, you can check out online, youthscape.co.uk forward slash research. Um, but The Story, you can actually get delivered to you, to your door for not very much money. I, we, I feel like I should have more hard facts than this.
1: £10 for a year subscription. Thank you, and you producer. And also get the fold-out poster.
0: Yes, thank you, producer Amy. Um, so, You're welcome. <laughs> Oh, you see, I put you on the mic once and suddenly uh, you you can't get you off it. Um, So, um, uh, yes, you can subscribe to that. Um, But actually just following uh, the Center for Research on social media and and making sure you're keeping in touch with what they're doing. It really is helpful stuff for youth ministry.
1: Brilliant. Now we said at the beginning of this podcast that we were going to be approaching the idea of reaching young people from sort of a couple of different angles. And uh, I am very excited about our next guest. It's definitely a change in tact now. We're thinking about something that is a kind of a different approach we're thinking about evangelism discipleship and during lockdown many churches reporting saying to us that have lost the fringe young people lost contact with young people who might be at those early stages of asking big questions about life and about faith um, and so what's happened to those conversations what happens for young people who are asking the big questions that maybe are not plugged into communities where there is space to um, explore those well I caught up with brilliant Daniel Eduardo, who is the head of youth and evangelism at The Message. He is extremely tall. He is fantastically cool. Um, he is so passionate about what he does, Martin. And I just thought, oh my goodness, I don't want to hear what you say. I'd like to kind of take a little bit of that va va that va va voom that Daniel, you have, Daniel, and your team, the wonderful team at Message. And just sort of that kind of booster of confidence. Actually, young people are asking the big questions and they are interested. And actually, this is a space that we can still, with confidence, step into. So, this is us catching up with Daniel Eduardo. Daniel, I'm so glad that you've joined us. Um, and I met you for the first time in lockdown. There's a few people that we're gonna say are our new lockdown friends. Yeah. You yeah, yeah, yeah. and Sam, your colleague, are like two of my little lockdown buddies.
3: Come on, man, I like that, I
1: like that. It was so cool. So really, really glad to have you with us on the podcast today, thinking about reaching, reaching young people at church. We often don't always do brilliantly, like young mm. people maybe are asking big questions about life and faith. Um, uh, but how do they do that like when mm. churches are closed and youth clubs can't run and schools workers can't be in school so could you tell us a bit about what you guys at The Message have been doing since March really in terms of reaching these young people?
3: Yeah for sure so this year it's crazy because this year we had so much planned in terms of high school mission we had 14 high school tours planned out throughout the whole country, um, including Germany as well. We had these big tours going to different schools every day and then big evangelistic gigs at the end. Uh, We've managed, we did two. We did one in Preston, no, Southport, and then we did another one in North Wales. And then COVID hit and it kind of just stopped, uh, which really sucks. But the reality is, even though COVID kind of pressed the pause button on all this kind of face to face mission, it's not stopped the passion in our hearts at all. Um, so we kind of just taken everything that we were doing in schools and we tried to shift it all to online to try and go to the places where young people are currently hanging out. So whether that's TikTok, whether it's that on Instagram stories or Instagram reels or YouTube, and just trying to bring a message, a message of hope, telling people that in the midst of the storms of life, there is hope. And it's not human optimism, not wishful thinking, but hope has a name. His name is Jesus. So that's kind of what we've been just trying to do in the last six months, uh, to be intentional with the quality and and just everything that we keep trying to communicate from from the screen, really.
1: I mean, that is, that's the dream, isn't it? Mm. I know people are listening to this, like me as well. I mean, I always, I'm the first to come to about how much I struggle with technology. And the (laughs) young people I work with still laugh because I call TikTok, Nick Knock, I always forget what it's called. And that is the dream, is that the stuff that we've been working hard to deliver Mm doesn't just reach the christian community but reaches young people who may have been those that would have come along to events they so yeah. they would have rocked up at something happening at school so so i mean don't worry about numbers so i'm not sure you haven't got that in your head but mm. like how effective has that been as a way of connecting with young people that you know probably aren't connecting with other youth workers or churches
3: totally totally so on on a weekly basis we we decided to do a, a live show on on youtube where we've been having comparing to the numbers of a gig has been a lot less but we'll be having like 50 60 young people that would tune in on a weekly basis and we always give an opportunity you know we do a whole bunch of games forfeits we do giveaways and then we present the gospel in a clear and relevant manner and we've had young people make a decision online to to follow jesus so they'll be writing in the comments saying. I've made a decision to follow Jesus. I've prayed that prayer today, which is amazing. But then from the back of that, we've decided to start these online discipleship groups as well, which we call the Roundtable Sessions. And we received a a message on Instagram not long ago from a young guy saying, I prayed that prayer i clicked the link i received the bible and oh my gosh what an adventure this bible is there's so many amazing stories what is your favorite story i'm reading through it uh another person sends a message saying i've read the whole bible i'm going to read it again in the second lockdown this is so cool what's your favorite story so i feel like right now we're going to really be intentional with this kind of one-to-one type of discipleship just really journeying with people where probably in the past when we would do a gig or tour we'll see hundreds thousands of young people and the connected with local church we wouldn't be able to connect them on a one-to-one basis but now because of lockdown and because our life is now online we get to connect with them and then connect them with local churches which has been which has been amazing real privilege really a real privilege
1: would you think that is part of what's coming out of this that the face of evangelism looks a bit more one-to-one
3: i think so i think so i think there's there's a place for the big proclamation big stage thousands of people and you know what i I long for to get back to that kind of stuff but i think it's an opportunity for us to kind of see what jesus said make disciples of every nation man that's an order that jesus gave to us just before he, he he went back to heaven so it's given us an opportunity to really develop that and just go back to that square one place of let's let's spend quality time with these young people chatting with them encouraging them um giving them resources to be on this adventure of life so yeah i think so Because I think
1: so often the big critique that we maybe direct at ourselves or at the big evangelistic events is that it's so mass, Mm. it's so mass-produced. How do you know that individual young people are growing? I just love it that the message, you've always had that heart, haven't Mm. you? The cybership Mm, side but that this has given you an opportunity to really you guys get front line in the one-to-one yeah. the message you you took the uk and europe um and and you are from portugal is that right are you, are you i portuguese? am
3: i am portuguese i'm son of missionaries in portugal yeah
1: so. cool so you came to <laughs> manchester love it that is beautiful and um, uh, when, when you sort of look at the uk scene what what is your sense of of how churches have done in terms of reaching unchurched young people
3: during lockdown. I feel like people, you know what, I'll be honest, I feel like people are taking more of a step forward. I feel like people are being more bold in terms of telling other people about Jesus. I think I've come to the conclusion everyone is always searching for something, you know, like it says in the Psalms, you know, has the deer longs for water, pants water, so my soul thirsts for you, and I feel like there's that thirst in everyone's life to, they're looking for something, asking big questions, young people in particular, why am I here, um, you know, that's the biggest thing when we go into to schools, is always about identity, where's my identity lie, because they see and they hear a whole bunch of things from different places In reality our identity is based in what God says about us and calls us sons and calls us daughters and I feel like the church in UK in particular are are really capturing that and they're bringing that message um, of hope and wanting to reach because they know there's no other hope but Jesus And, and I think it's quite an exciting thing I think I've seen especially during lockdown trying to figure out okay how do we reach out to young people in our communities um uh, some stuff that people at uh, the message been doing is this thing called love where you live where it's a bit of social action where they go out and, and clean uh gardens clean gutters and streets and all that kind of stuff but then they get an opportunity to pray for people and young people really jump on that because they get to do something quite practical but yeah. then get to chat uh, you know socially distant but they get to chat with other people which is which is great it's
1: so beautiful isn't it that i think during- down and youth workers as you say and young people often being on the front line of both responses the practical Food banks, checking out where young people yeah. are, especially if they're in families where it's going to be really difficult for them to be in isolation with them. But also offering Jesus, actually not yep. withholding the most beautiful thing we have to hold out to young people, and that both goes hand in hand. And I think that's cool. when so we're hearing at the moment, hopefully a vaccine. I mean, yeah, come on. Thank you, Jesus, for amazing scientists. Um. So let's say there's a vaccine. Let's say that January the second, Daniel. All of these schools, all these areas are like, come on, we want this church. Like, what is your hope um, for the church coming out of this season of lockdown and into maybe more in-person youth ministry again? Where, mm. ha, what what do you want to see a passion around evangelism? Just tell us your heart
3: for evangelism. Yeah, I, I really want to see young people really stepping up. And and just going out there and just bad just 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 being these heralds of good news, just bringing this good news to a broken world, just 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 showing. Uh, in, the, in the midst of darkness, that there is hope that people not created for chaos, but were created for peace, for people to understand that uh, even though you have breath in your lungs and you exist and you're not made to simply exist, but you're made to truly live. And that comes through mm-hmm. Jesus. And I, and I feel like young people have the capability and the bonus to be able to step forward. I feel like this has been a bit of an incubation period where there's been a lot of training, people like learning, like, ah, and. I feel like they're just itching to 2nd of January comes. Let's hope that's the date and then boom, run the streets and just bring bring this massive salvation to all corners of, of the UK. I would love to see that. I would love to see, you know, see you starting in, in, in schools like all across the country. I would love to be getting messages from from young people saying, can you come into our school and, and can you do this session? Can you do this session? I would, I would just love to see that kind of stuff happen. That would be that would generally be amazing. I think be amazing.
1: Fantastic! I love that. And the other thing that I have to ask you, like you you guys know how to dance and sing and all the rest of it. Post vaccine, as we're moving out of this, I think disco will come back. It's that really happy beat. So we want a great big like like dance off, a massive kind of celebration.
3: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. If there's one thing that we know to do, we know to throw a party and we know how to celebrate big style. So it's it's happening right you heard it from rachel we're having this big party you need to get your dancing shoes and get ready to boogie
1: blaze on it's all gonna be good that is amazing daniel so uh, just tell us a bit about what might be coming up next year for you guys then what what will it look like for you guys being in schools and doing a tour
3: so we, we we're looking at this thing called the higher tour which is all about kind of looking at a higher lifestyle um looking higher looking from inward looking to outward looking and looking upon what God calls us to be true life, John 10, 10. Um, so that's kind of what we're doing. That's the plan. Uh, hopefully as, as stuff, hopefully in, in the new year starts to open up a bit, we'll be able to do a bit more of this kind of touring as well as doing a whole bunch of initiatives called love where you live, where local churches get together. We just, um, enable local churches to get together to do a whole bunch of social action within their communities to love where they live and then to share the good news of who Jesus is as well so that's the plan
1: thank you what what piece of encouragement has kept you going in this season that you want to pass on to these youth workers listening to this that have got a real passion for all the young people in their communities whether they know Jesus or not they just want to see these young people flourish in their full potential like what what piece of encouragement do you want to give the
3: youth workers yeah for sure uh, i feel like no for this is this has been a verse i'll just pop it out to make sure i quote it right it's been a verse that that's been helping me loads and i feel like for like for me like many people they had a whole bunch of plans you know 2020 2020 vision all that kind of stuff all those words that come at the beginning and then it's kind of been put on hold and uh, i'm taking to Proverbs 16 verse 9 which says in their hearts humans plan their course but the lord established their steps and, and I feel like just, just a reminder that you know the, the dreams and the vision that God has given you is being given by God, the outworking of it might just look a little bit different and that's okay. Uh, so just be, just be open, just be faithful with what God has called you to do. Keep running the race. It just might look a little bit different and, and that's okay. And that's okay. And that verse has kept me going. I'm like, ah, oh, I really want to be in front of young people. Or whenever we do zooms, I'm I rem- with schools. I reminded of like, oh, how much I enjoy working with young people. It just looks different, but I get to still tell young people about Jesus. So that's the end goal, which is great.